This message is brought to you by Heartland Family Fellowship. Hi, my name is Steve Finney, and I will be your speaker today. We thank you for listening in on our podcast and hope that the Lord does bless you as you listen today. We want to welcome our online listeners. Today's podcast is called Craving Success. So we want to thank all those people who have decided to join us today. This is a part of a series called The Art of Brokenness. And talking about the whole issue of success is absolutely very, very important when it comes to whether we allow ourselves to be broken or not. So um, there are so many people today that live in a mode of, I will not be a failure. So just think about it when you think about growing up and going to school or playing a particular sport or uh, whether it's a board game or whatever it is. There seems to be a message that is built into our society, really the world as a whole, that says don't, don't allow yourselves to be a failure. So we train our children up to be successful. We train our children up to be independent. We train them up to be competent. We train them up not to be failures, but to be successful. And we use terms like good boy, bad boy, good girl, bad girl. And all these statements are reinforcing do not be a failure. Then all of a sudden we get born again. And we hear God through Jesus Christ and some of the disciples and followers of Christ say stuff like, you're nothing. You're nobody. He who thinks he's something when he's nothing deceives himself. Or you can just replace the word if you want and say, he who thinks he's successful when he's not successful, when he's a failure, deceives himself. It's opposite of the way that we're trained. Satan's number one sin before God the Father, long before the tree of knowledge was created in the garden, his number one sin was he wanted to be successful. And he wanted to sit in the most successful position of eternity. That's the throne. Well, God wasn't going to share his success with anyone, so he was removed from heaven like a bolt of lightning. And you think we're going to be treated differently? That if we think that we're successful, that he's just going to sit back and go, okay, I'll, I'll agree with you on this one. You, you are showing some decent success on this. No. He's going to work to bring you to nothing so that he can be everything or he can be successful through you. So the life of Christ within us offers two powerful truths. The first one is to set us free from the penalty of our own successes and to set us free from the power of success. Is there power in success? Let me let you in on a Hebrew secret. They mean the same thing. Success is power. So that little buzz statement out there in training classes, success is power, 
They're absolutely 100% correct according to Hebrew. Success is power. So therefore, the lack of success is the lack of power. Therefore, if someone who is lacking in power is constantly going to be begging God for power to live every day, and that's when Christ steps up and says, I think you're getting it now. Your greatest success is the fact that you're a failure, or at least admitting to it. So both offers are made on exactly the same terms, and that is we can accept them only by letting him be successful through us. It's the only way. It's going to work. This is the life mission of Jesus Christ in the church today, is to bring churches to points of failure. The whole corporate body as of Christ needs to fail before a new or at least to complete the reformation that God started through a handful of leaders many years ago. The whole corporate body has to say we can't do it. We can't make it. So that Christ will step up and say yes, it's not you but it is me. See, it's not I but Christ who lives within us. That's where the success is. Here's our theme for this week. People with pride desire and strive to be, or minimally, give the appearance of success. This is why they are independent, think they're something, deceive themselves, and full of betrayal. Now let's think about this. Catalogs, there are thousands and thousands of catalogs out there that are offering you products to do what? To look stupid? To look like a nothing? To look like a nobody? To look like failures? No, these catalogs are filled with products to make you look good. To make you look successful fact is that 99.9% .9 of the people walking the face of the earth are failures. They function like failures. But they dress, at least, minimally, they dress to look successful so when people look at them they see success by appearance and not by performance. Because they know they're failures by performance. So at least they look successful. And there you have it. No matter what you look at in this catalog, whether it's clothing or whether it's electronics or whether it is, you know, shoes or whatever is in the catalog, there's a very, very good chance that this product is to make you look or function as if you are successful. And the end result of a society that is constantly throwing this message at the people is that society will act independent, they'll think they're really something, they'll deceive themselves, and they'll be full of betrayal. That is the problem that America is suffering with today. We have become a free society that has been built upon free enterprise, that's been built upon fast cash now, get-rich-quick schemes that our whole society as a whole has become independent, arrogant,
thinking there's something. We're the best country in the entire world. I mean, how many countries call their president the most powerful man in the entire world? Excuse me, Mr. President, I don't mean to insult you, but it is wrong. You see, because success says power, so therefore America has always been portrayed as being the most successful free enterprise in the entire world. And other countries have been looking at America for several generations saying, you guys are independent, you're arrogant, you think you're something, when in reality you're nothing but a bunch of people who betray your own people. That is how the average country looks at America. Well, America is not the only country that's guilty of this. And yes, it is true that our technique on pushing products at people to make them look successful, Western civilization, has moved its way into many countries in the world. So what that means, folks, is we are about to be humbled by the living God as a country and ultimately as a world. So people of humility and brokenness are content with being nobody, nothing, and are motivated to be faithful in the successes of the Lord. I would say that most Christians could quote most of Galatians 2.20. Does someone want to try to quote Galatians 2.20 for us? I have been crucified with Christ Nevertheless, it is I that lives, but Christ lives within me in the life that I now live. I live by the faith of the Son of God who lives within me. It's not even our faith. There is no association of ownership that we can take outside of the ownership of not I, but Christ. And the rest will actually automatically begin to work itself out. Okay, deceived people. Did you know that the reason why deceived people cannot see that they are deceived is because they are deceived? I know it's humorous, isn't it? It's like if I, if I put someone on a chair up here and I covered their eyes and then I put a sign in front of them that says Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life and no man can come unto the Father except by Jesus Christ and I can hold that sign in front of them and, and say can't you see it? can't you see the truth? and someone in the group is bound to, to say we will take the blindfold off so they can see it you see deception is a choice of God. He's the one that chooses to allow someone to be deceived or someone to see the truth. Go to Romans chapter 1, if you would. And I believe it starts at uh, verse 18. And from uh, my heart's perspective, this is one of the scariest passages in the entire Bible. And it says this, For the wrath of God, starting at verse 18, Romans chapter 1, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. 
because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them. So here we have someone who's actually suppressing the truth and God has already made it evident to them what truth is. So this guy sitting in the chair became open, transparent, enlightened, transformed by the truth. And all of a sudden, he starts suppressing the truth in unrighteousness. And what that does is it allows an invite of those hands of the enemy to start covering our eyes again. And pretty soon that person is not able to see the truth anymore because they're suppressing the truth. Hiding it in unrighteousness. So here's what the good Lord said. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature and have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations. That's like philosophies. That's like ideas. That's like trying to figure things out yourself. That's what independent thinkers are like. I have to figure this out. Give me a little time. Give me a couple hours. I'll get this figured out. That is how the enemy functions, to get control. You need to be able to hear truth instantly, absolutely instantly, and say that's truth. You shouldn't have to pray about it. You shouldn't have to research it. You shouldn't have to dig into it. You should know instantly if what someone is saying is truth and if it's a lie. Why? Because you have the Holy Spirit in you bearing witness with what truth is. When you have to go away and think about it and process it and research it and dig things up and try to figure out if it's really the truth or not, says you are ignorant of the truth. And you have to go find it. You don't find Christ. He found you, indwelt you, and he became the word of God that dwells within you so that when truth is put before you, the spirit bears witness with the truth and you immediately go, yes. Now there are some things that we need time to pray about and process because it's not clear to us. What we should actually be processing is, please God, open my eyes. And he will as you're reading the truth, the word of truth. We do have to study to show ourselves approved to handle accurately the word of truth. But see, we are built and designed by God to instantly sense with something is truth or not. Now, that is exactly what is being told to us by Paul. God already made it evident. God already laid creation up for you all to see it. God already, it's all there. You're without excuse. And then this happens. So even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God. They became futile in their own speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise in the world, particularly this particular country, claims to be filled with wisdom. We have more, we have more educated, unemployed people in America collectively than we have in the entire world 
our illiteracy rate is second highest in the world. That just doesn't seem to make sense. We get all these educated people that don't have jobs, PhDs. We have the highest rate of suicide in America is amongst PhDs. People getting all this education and find out they're, they're more stupid than before they started. And they don't know what to do with it. Because, see, education doesn't equal transformation. Jesus Christ equals transformation. The life of Christ inside of us equals transformation. That's the point that's being made. We become futile in our own speculations, our own education, because we have to try to figure it out. So then he says this. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged. But we exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for the image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and the four-footed animals and the crawling creatures. That's called Darwinism. We think there's more to be learned through the study of sciences in the creation than there is of the creator. You can't have relationship with science. If you do, you end up becoming a fool with a dark mind, always trying to figure out the next piece. And you're just making yourself dumber. Darkened mind. The smarter you get, the darker your mind. Because you are the one trying to do the figuring out. Then he says this, Therefore, God gave them over to the lusts of their hearts, to impurities, that their bodies might be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. For this reason God gave them over to degrading passions. For the women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. Those are called lesbians. In the same way also that the men abandoned the natural function of women and burned in their desire toward one another. Those are called gay. What is the number one fight in government today? Gay and lesbian rights. Our country is suffering Romans chapter 1. This was written a very long time ago. And we are now suffering the exact order of the way God laid this out. He's not done. Men with men committing indecent acts in their own person, the due penalty of their error. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind. Depraved mind there in the Greek is rather startling, but particularly a depraved mind in the Hebrew, which is darkened mind, which means turned over to Satan. You think you have a mind of your own, but I'm here to tell you there's only two minds to be concerned about, the mind of Christ and the mind of Satan, a depraved mind. That means there are hundreds of thousands of educated people of dark mind which translates out as mind of Satan. What is temptation? Temptation is thoughts being thrown at you from another mind that is more powerful than you. You are nothing more than this little antenna here. 
That's why we're called nothing. We are walking vessels. We are walking antennas. We are to receive either the mind of Christ or we're going to be receiving the mind of Satan. That's how simple God made this. There's no third mind. There's no third eye. There's no third power. There's just those two. And the whole Bible is filled with stories of the battles between those two. It's how it started in the garden and it's how it will end in the garden. Yes, the battle does end in the garden, believe it or not. So then he says this. Here's the 18 adjectives describing how a person's going to end up who decides to sit there in that chair and be foolish and allow their minds to be darkened by the hands of the enemy called deception. Here's what this person is going to look like. We're talking to the Christians here, by the way. Not the unsaved. Paul is addressing the church. And he said, God gave them over to a depraved mind or a dark mind to do the things which are not proper, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful, and although they knew the ordinances of God, they did not, and those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but they give wholehearted approval of those who do it. Now, you and I can easily see that this is the condition of our country. All 18 of those descriptions given to us directly by God's mind, we see in this country. We see in the American family. We see in now the church and the Western civilization. God has turned us over to a depraved mind. Does that mean that we should quit being hopeful and making an impact on this country? Absolutely not. It should empower us and encourage us to all the more encourage and preach the truth so that they are restored back to the mind of Christ. Not to their own thinking, not to good theology, not to good seminaries, but to the mind of Christ. And the only way to get that, if I remember correctly, is through a born-again experience. Did you know that the reason why broken people have 20-20 spiritual vision is because they see through the eyes of the Lord? Not I, but Christ. It's Christ's eyes, it's Christ's mind, it's Christ's faith, it's Christ's life. So that's why I'm able to see clearly 2020 is because it's not I. And any time I get into the eye, I'm going to get those hands covering my eyes again. Poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now, that's a very powerful statement. We're going to inherit the earth? And the very kingdom of God is going to belong to us? The reason why Jesus says, from what we can understand, the reason why that Jesus says, for those who, 
who want to be first are going to be last and those who are last on earth are going to be first in heaven is because these meek and lowly people are going to be granted positions it says some will be doorkeepers and others will be rulers of nation and I doubt the Billy Graham types are going to be the rulers of nation they had their spurt of glory he's going to pick nobodies people who have struggled their entire life on earth with being a nobody are going to find themselves in a very unique position when they're in heaven this new earth some believe that Jesus was actually referencing this new earth. Some believe that he was referencing this earth. Well, I'm not going to argue about that because I can't tell you which one it is. But I can tell you it's going to be handed to these poor in spirit. These nobodies, these nothings. These people have been stepped on. People of pride strive for success and money. They are of the belief that through more money and success there is more respect. Do you respect rich people? I have counseled some very, very, very wealthy people. One of the guys that I counseled was on the fourth world of Congress and they only have the most wealthy people in the entire world. The Bill Gates, the Rothschilds, you know, those kind. And I'll tell you what, they're not happy people. They're not easy people to get along with. I understand what Jesus said. He said it's easier to go through the eye of the needle than it is to get a rich man to go to get into heaven. I understand that. Because they're independent. They're thinkers. They decide on their own. They have to do the processing. They have to do the figuring out. It does not give them more respect in the end. It is a darkened mind deception. To the poor and wallet and spirit who have nothing in and of themselves have no ability or resources to impress. I mean, clothing does impress people. There's no doubt about it. You know, I can't tell you how many meetings I was in, particularly on the East Coast, where people would come up and they would do this to your lapel and then just walk away. They just wanted to feel whether it was quality fabric. And it was their very covert ways of seeing where you rank in the world of politics according to your fabric. One time I had a very seasoned senator walk up to me, very seasoned. He has spent his entire adult life working his way to the top in Washington. And he pulled me aside after one particular meeting in the White House and he said to me, I want to know how you got to be in this position so quickly. Who do you know? And I just looked at him, you know, kind of a smirk on my face. and said, ah, you're never, you're never going to believe it anyway. Come on, who, who is it? Because you know where he was going. He was going for this one. You know, whose money, whose success are you riding on to get you into this position this fast? And I finally said, okay, okay, you're not going to believe me when I tell you. I said the Lord Jesus Christ put me in this position. And of course he walks away in disbelief and God only knows what he was thinking and how he was judging. That's what God wants out of us. That no matter where we are, what we do, it's not according to the, the kind of fabric 
It's according to the fabric of our soul. Who is the mind controlling our minds? That's how simple I think it is. Number three, the poor in spirit understand that it is not the Christian experience, but it is the experience of the indwelling life of Christ that makes them Christian. Simple, profound, and, and life-transforming. Number four, it is the meek that understand that for the heavenly and the earthly liketh. Uh-huh. Humility is the secret to being blessed, not striving. Striving is a very ugly word if you look it up and dice it up a little bit. It's basically by putting a bunch of sweat on your brow. And when God put discipline on Adam in the garden, he said, everything you touch will be by the, the sweat of your brow. That's where the word picture, what the word picture is for striving. Sweat of your brow. So striving for success will certainly kill you in the long run. Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. Number one, people of pride must teach themselves and learn from their own choices. Why is that? Does anyone want to take a guess? So we really do need to analyze why people of pride are not teachable. The meek and lowly are teachable correctable, and find wisdom in the counsel of others. See, if I think I'm a nobody, if I think that I'm a nothing, that means I don't have any wisdom in and of myself. I have to seek it. Those who seek the counsel of many then shall succeed. Three, into all Christians who find comfort in teachings and guidance from others find rest in their souls. Humility becomes their classroom. You want to know the most practical reason why that, that arrogant people walk around feeling like a failure? It's not the simple answer because they are. Because even humble people are failures. The reason why that, that proud people walk around constantly feeling like they're failures is because when you lean on someone else for successes or advice, and you do what that person says as advice, when it fails, if it does fail, if you want to even call it that, you can actually still rest because you didn't come up with that independent decision on your own. But since they are constantly fighting failure 24 hours a day, it is the evidence that demands the verdict that they are independent and arrogant because they're the ones making the decision. And it happens to all of us. It's a human thing. Whoever shall humble himself as this little child shall be exalted. Number one, people of pride are normally consumed with being the best, being first place, being noticed by others, and punishing those who get in the way of said reputation. That's a loaded statement for sure. Number two, those who humble themselves, who are like children or childlike, work at being in the place, first, last place, and typically are known by children everywhere. A classic example is Pastor Walt sitting here. I can't tell you how many times I've heard from someone else, even this morning, that he is known 
for being loved by children. That is evidence of this principle. And evidence that he has probably been living this principle for a very long time. I got to tell you this story. A few years ago when I was at Victorious Christian Living in Phoenix, we would have a monthly um, potluck of sorts. It was kind of a combination of fun food, fellowship, and a meeting. And I love Kentucky Fried Chicken. I mean, I love Kentucky Fried Chicken. It borders on idolatry. <laughs> I want to kiss the colonel when I get to heaven and say thank you for your recipe. Is it up here? <laughs> you know, did, he, did God let you bring it up with, him, with you? Because it's just, it's just the best chicken to me. So someone would bring a bucket of chicken to the potluck because they just, you know, didn't want to cook or whatever. Well, I wanted to get at the front of the line because I knew that if I stayed at the back of the line or even the middle of the line, I'm not going to get my chicken. So I always had this thing about moving my way to the front of the line. Get the chicken. And I usually get a piece of chicken. Then one particular potluck, the Lord said, at the end of the line. And I'm just fighting the Lord, just fighting the Lord. And the Lord said, stay at the end of the line until I let you know otherwise. And so, month after month, I stayed at the end of the line. I just waited till everyone got to the front of the line. And I usually stayed at the back of the line, which, as some of you know, that's a habit I carry to this very day. The Lord has never released me. So, I grew up in a home where I had my chicken stolen off my plate all the time. And I have endless pictures and stories in my mind of, of my mother correcting the other children for stealing my chicken. <laughs> so for pushing my way to the front of the line to get my chicken was huge to me. It became idolatry. I'm sorry, Colonel, but it's the truth. Well, it was months that went by, and I'm, you know, forgetting the whole chicken thing, although i got to admit to you, whenever I got up to the food line, I would look in the chicken bucket. So, you know, I got up, I was the last one, I got up and I looked in the chicken bucket, and I went, you got to be kidding me. I reached in that bucket and I picked up this breast, white meat, with crispy original recipe on the outside of this chicken. And I hold it up to the entire room and I said, I got a piece of Kentucky Fried Chicken! And I rejoiced! And what the Lord showed me in that whole deal was very simple. The lowly, the meek, the ones who work to get in the last place, God remembers that. And he just wanted to do it because he could. You know what I mean? He had the power literally to save the best piece of chicken on that particular day. Now I wish he would have done that every month, but he didn't. But that's how it works. Number three, people of humility are not lifted up by those around them. God himself lifts them up. And of course, the scripture says, whoever receives this child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For the one who is least among all of you is the one who is great. 
and I certainly hope there's Kentucky Fried Chicken in heaven. Don't you think it's possible that he actually received a recipe from heaven and put it together? That's what I'm thinking. What about the mashed potatoes and gravy that they That's pretty good too. Those fake potatoes are not bad. And the coleslaw. That's what I'm talking about. The Zebedee syndrome. But Jesus called them to himself and he said this. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. I got the best piece of chicken. And their great men exercise authority over them. It is not this way among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. If you do love Jesus Christ, the things that you strive for, you can be assured there's going to be other body members praying that you do not get it. Because it reinforces, because particularly Western civilization, we are a reward society. So when we get reward for what we strive for, we think success is healthy. Therefore, people of pride are often preoccupied with being known in their field of choice, whatever that may be. Those who humble themselves embrace the reality that they should never ask for a higher position on earth, but rather seek lower still. Fact, humility as it is marked by Jesus in the heavens will be the one standard of glory that is for certain the lowest is the nearest to God and certainly the greatest. I mean, Jesus really hung out with some scabs. He really did. I mean, literally scabby people. Lepers. Blind people. I mean, some real rejects. The only time he took a higher educated person is when he decided to dumb them down. I know we got that backwards, that we get them saved and send them to education so they can preach. But Jesus actually did it opposite. He took educated people and he had to dumb them down so they could preach the gospel. But most of the people he picked were nobodies. Probably because they'd be easier, it's easier for them to hear the voice of the Lord. Number four, the primacy of the church is only promised to the humble or those who are most humble. Luke 14, 10 and 11 says, but when you are invited, go and recline at the last place so that when the one who has invited you comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher, then you will have honor in the sight of all who are at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Anytime I, you, or anyone else is trying to be successful, you should pray that we get humbled. People of pride are often interested in the best seats in the house. People of humility prefer to sit behind the scene with their heads a little lower than others in the room. People of pride have to be humiliated, put in the back, while meek people offer themselves to humiliation. Meek people say, please humiliate me. Because they finally got it understood in their minds is that the more they're humiliated, the greater they become. 
Plus, any, everything that is done on earth is recorded in the, in the heavens. How embarrassing. I tell you this, this man went to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. Very simple statement here, and that is in the church, in presence and worship of God, everything is to be worthless that is not pervaded by deep, true humility towards God and the body of Christ. Again, I'll read that statement. is in the church and presence and worship of God. That's what we're doing here this morning. It's what we do in prayer gatherings. It's what we do when we're sitting around the table of the family. Everything is to be worthless that is not pervaded by deep, true humility towards God and the body of Christ. In other words, if it doesn't advance Jesus Christ and him crucified, what's the point? Seriously. People of pride act like Satan. And here is a very simple pictorial of Satan working through the body, through the emotions, to the will, to the mind, and then affect you spiritually. This is his mode of operation. That's why in our world today you're going to find the, these priorities. The number one priority in humanness today is the human body. That's through exercise, that's through looking good, getting in the catalog, getting the right clothes, everything starting out with how you look, how you feel, how you are through the body. Then it affects your emotions where you say, I feel good about myself today because I look good in the mirror or I sound good or I feel good because I just exercised or I whatever. Then it goes to the will and the will starts saying, now I can choose some healthy things today because I started out right. Then the mind is renewed because you did some stuff physically emotionally made some good choices now your mind's being renewed so that's why people say I didn't have my devotions today and they're complaining about their mindset tells me this is how they're functioning it is not devotions that set you free it's not devotions that make you feel better it is the life of Christ in you people of humility God works through the spirit into the mind, renews the mind, then you make choices from that, then your emotions might feel better, and then your body might show the benefits of it. So the word of God dwells within me, so if you burn my Bible, I can still hear the truth. If you burn my Bible, I can still have my mind renewed. If you burn my Bible, I can still make choices. If you burn my Bible, I can still be emotionally okay. I'm still going to launch into eternity. But it is certainly nice to have the written word to confirm what is already true and right and righteous within us. Okay, guys, this is our very last true and false from the turkeys and eagles. And it is number nine that says, to be tempted is a sign of our sinfulness. Answer is false. That's turkey talk. So when I asked the Lord for a conclusive statement, he just gave me a verse. So that's all I'm going to tell you about it is the verse. 
For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things, as we are, yet without sin. Anyone who would break loose to say that temptation is a sign of sinfulness, they've just called Christ, Jesus, a sinner. That would not be wise. Thank you for joining us today. Heartland Family Fellowship is a local church plant here in Sterling, Kansas. Our fellowship includes the family and all levels of worship. Our mission is to bring families back together spiritually, relationally, and physically. Many people ask us, what does that really mean, or how does it benefit them? Well, it means that you can bring your entire family to any of Heartland's events, and we will work to keep the focus on God, Jesus Christ, and the body of Christ without dividing up the family at the front door. If you're interested in learning more about our fellowship or other family integrated fellowships, please log on to our website. That is www.heartlandfellowships.org. We thank you for joining us. Get yourself in a pile, lose a shirt off your back. Need a floor, need a couch, need a bus fare.